Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Wainer coming to you today. And we've got a nice conversation about interest on IBC policy loans. So this conversation today, if you are, maybe you're already using infinite banking and that word is very familiar to you and you want to say, how do I really understand the nuts and bolts of how interest is going to work in this policy when I take a loan, when I pay it back, and you really want to understand that before you take a loan or maybe before you put a policy in place in the first place, today we're going to be answering that question. And it actually came to us because of our wonderful community of listeners, which is you who are tuning in live on Facebook, on YouTube, or listening to the show afterwards on Facebook or YouTube, or perhaps you are listening through Apple Podcasts. Wherever you've come from, we really appreciate you listening in and sharing your questions, your comments, and your feedback. So here's the question. This was from Riley Nelson. And he said, what's the policy loan if I wanted to borrow 1000 Are there any interest rates? So today we are answering that exact question and helping you understand how policy loans work on an IBC policy. Bruce, go ahead and jump. Let's um, introduce you and you can share any of the thoughts that you have up front And then I think we probably will back up and just share for anyone who doesn't understand what is IBC first. Yeah, so uh, good morning. Uh, You know, this is, uh, I always uh, hesitate because um, as as our friend James Nethery has often says, if you understand the concepts, the details don't matter. And if you don't understand the concepts, then the details don't matter. So the details really don't matter but we're going to try to get into the details today to hopefully show people that it really doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and, and so, yes, this is an alternative banking position. Um, infinite banking concept or privatized banking is an, is a, is a uh, alternative banking position. And so what do banks do? They pay interest and they charge interest. So what do, what do insurance companies do? They pay you interest and dividends, and they charge interest and dividends. It's really not that difficult. It's it's just a detail that people get hung up on all the time. I find it very interesting when I talk to clients and say, well, I don't want to take a loan because I don't want to be in debt. And once again, we hear this, you're not in debt. It's just a liability against an asset. Um, and if, for people that don't haven't heard us before on the podcast, you know, when you have a credit card, and you go out and spend $80 on a nice sweater. I always use Kohl's, for example. I don't know if there's Kohl's across the country. I think so. You, yeah, you and, and you take it home. You might be able to sell that on Facebook Marketplace the next day for five bucks. Um, so now you have uh, an asset worth five bucks, and you have 80 bucks on your credit card. Now you're that in you're debt. You're going to pay interest. That's, yeah, and you're in debt. So... But when you're when you have a policy loan, you have collateral that is greater than a policy loan. Why do I know this? Because the insurance companies will not give you a policy loan unless you have collateral that is greater than the policy loan. It's called the surrender, uh, the, the surrender amount. So, 
let's uh, let's go through the different types of interest and how it accrues and so on and so forth. Perfect. Well, let's um, before we do that, I just want to let you know if you are brand new to this show and maybe you came across this interesting, fascinating concept of infinite banking. Just want to let you know what this is. So infinite banking is a powerful tool that is a place to store cash. Now, the reason that we talk about infinite banking is because you have the ability to become your own banker and apply the principles of banking to your own life. What do I mean by that? Well, you have the opportunity to store cash, earn interest, and use arbitrage or leverage by borrowing your cash and putting it to work somewhere else so that you earn more than you're paying for the cost of that capital. And the benefit of doing this is that you're in a position where now not only are you storing cash in between investments with the best safety, liquidity, and growth, you also have this and asset that is able to not only be growing inside a life insurance policy, because that's what vehicle is used for infinite banking, you also are able to leverage against that cash value and put those dollars to work in another investment, earning a return in two places at the same time. And that just speeds up your growth and boosts your investment returns. It's a simple, fascinating, very easy step that you can do before investing that puts you in a much better position with a lot more safety, a lot more options, and heck, you get a death benefit on top of that. So just a side comment and a side introduction to infinite banking if you have not heard yet. So IBC is the infinite banking concept. This is a um, formalized term for infinite banking that was created by Nelson Nash, who is considered the father of infinite banking. And he's written several books, one being Becoming Your Own Banker. And that is where the origination of this whole IBC concept began. And so those are just a few of the groundwork laying the groundwork for what exactly we're talking about today. So Bruce, I think the very first big picture question is, do life insurance companies charge interest on policy loans? And yes, they do charge you interest and they charge you interest because you're growing your money in a cash cash value life insurance policy here and you borrow against that policy. You are not taking your cash out to put those dollars to work somewhere else. You're actually borrowing from the life insurance company they're collateralizing your cash value. And what that means is that the life insurance company says, I'm going to give you a loan. I'm going to back that by your cash value in your policy, but I'm going to charge you interest for the use of that cash. But I think a, a really big misnomer is that people think I'm borrowing my own money. Why am I paying myself interest? No, you're actually borrowing the life insurance company's money and you're paying them interest. Correct. And you're you're paying them interest. And this is another thing, Rachel, that uh, let's just say producers, insurance agents, uh, sometimes get this wrong. That's why people get this confused. And, and our friend, Kim Butler always says, says words are important because they say you're paying interest back to yourself. Now that can be true. If you overpay yourself back on the policy. So, but the initial interest goes to the insurance company. The initial interest goes to the insurance company. If you want to pay yourself more interest, which Nelson used to talk about all the time, let's say the insurance company charges you 5% interest, Nelson would say, these are good, these are good places, so charge yourself 10%. Well, then 5% would go to the insurance company, and the other 5% is truly not interest. It's an additional paid-up additions 
payment into the policy. And that actually accelerates the growth of your, of your uh, cash value. Now we tend to, we tend to build these so that we maximize people's uh, premiums right away in their paid up additions. So we don't always uh, build them that way because we've already maximized it. But that's uh, you're actually paying the insurance to the insurance company, and that insurance—I'm sorry—the interest mm-hmm. insurance interest. Mm-hmm. and that interest can be fixed, or it could be variable. Yeah. So um, let's talk about what does that mean? The interest that you're paying to the life insurance company for the use of their money because you have cash value that they're willing to collateralize, that interest rate can be fixed or variable or another option. So Bruce, go ahead and share what that means. The other option is it could be either. um, And in some cases, some insurance companies, you can change it once a year. uh, But fixed just simply means what do you you think it means? And people say, well, I want to have the fixed interest rate because it's slow right now. But see, what they do is if they if you take a fixed interest rate in the contract, they can say, okay, then we are also going to not recognize that portion of the loan for dividend payments, or they're going to lower the dividend payments for that portion of the loan. So I've said this a million times on these podcasts. There's no such thing as a deal in insurance. It's an actuarial product. So if you pick one type of interest, then it's going to affect the contracting on the other, the payment on the other side of the table. If you and choose that payment, the- let me just clarify something really quick because if you already know about infinite banking, you're tracking exactly right along with what Bruce is saying. If you're new to this concept, that might have been a little confusing. And no fault to you, Bruce. I'm just going to give a little bit more of a one-on-one level. So what Bruce is talking about is that when you have your premium paid into the life insurance policy, it's growing with interest and with dividends. Now, the growth rate on that cash value inside of your life insurance policy can be direct recognition or non-direct recognition. And what it means is that direct recognition, Bruce, correct me if I say this wrong because I um, sometimes reverse them. So direct recognition means they recognize the loan. If they're paying you an interest rate of 4% on your cash value, they may only pay you 3% on the portion that you borrow against. Yeah, that's just an example. That's just an example. Sometimes they don't pay anything. Sometimes they only lower it, you know, 1%. Sometimes they lower it 1.5%, 2%. It's all all under the contract. But yes, they recognize that you have a loan and they're not going to pay you fully on the portion that you have the loan with. Yes. Yes, I think you just said it the clearest that it possibly could be said. So the other way would be non-direct recognition, meaning here's my full cash value, $100,000. I've taken an $80,000 loan. However, my full $100,000 is still earning the full dividend. So that's the difference between direct and non-direct recognition. So you're just saying, if you choose a fixed interest rate, so you know that it's going to not fluctuate on your loan, you might be in a position where the recognition of how much dividend you're earning on your cash value may not be as advantageous. Yeah, so you're getting you're getting more of an advantage on the loan side. So in order to make that up actuarially, they the insurance company has to get more of an advantage on the uh, payment side whether it's dividends or interest. It's it's you know, it's, there's no such thing as 
this is the best way to do it. You have to look at both sides of the equation. You also have to look at, on how you're going to use your policy, how often you're going to borrow against it, so on and so forth. But um, And in some of the cases, you can declare that you have to declare it right when you borrow the money. Other cases, you can change it every year. So it all change it, all it as in the whether fixed it's fixed variable. or variable. Right. So and Bruce, I can hear somebody saying, "Okay, well, variable sounds scary. It, how do I know what rate they're going to charge me to borrow against my cash value if I get a variable late variable rate?" So can you talk about why what variable is and um, and mm-hmm. why that might not be a bad idea? Yeah, they can uh, they can change the variable rate once a year. In general, I, I mean, we're I'm licensed over my career with about a dozen different companies. And, and typically it's once a year. Uh, there may be other companies out there that, that do it differently, but I don't know of any. Um, and people say, well, I don't want it to go up. The only reason it would go up is kind of our next topic is the nuances of variable rates and how much can the rate fluctuate? Well, the rate can fluctuate in two ways. The free market, which is how much are bond interest rates going up and down. And the bond interest rates, the other way that they go up and down is not is the free market, but the other way they go up is, is the Federal Reserve's manipulation of the bond uh, situation. And although most insurance companies use what's called the Moody Bond Index to set the rate, by contract, most of them don't say we're going to set it directly whatever the Moody Bond rate is. They just use it in their investment committee to determine what the bond, or excuse me, what the interest rate is by looking at the Moody bond interest rate. To clarify that is they don't just look at the Moody bond interest rate and say, this is what we're going to charge. They use it as a reference to uh, charge that particular rate. Now, the great part about it is, is the Moody bond interest rate is also mirroring very closely the, the interest rates that the bonds are paying on the income side for the life insurance. So if bond rates go up, yes, they're going to charge you more for borrowing money, but they're also going to use that to, to raise their dividends um, as far as how much they're paying you on your, your reserves. So historically, uh, it, for people who just listen to a podcast, I have both of my hands up. I have my left hand that's actually higher than my right hand. So as bond rates go up, yes, interest rates on loans go up, but historically, dividends have also gone up, and dividends payouts have been higher than historically than the interest that you actually pay on your loans. And it makes sense if uh, the, the Federal Reserve's ten-year Treasury goes up to. You know, it's hovering around 1.75 right now. I haven't checked it in a week or so, but if it goes up to two, then if somebody has a municipal bond uh, or they have a corporate bond, they have to offer something greater than the 10 year treasury to entice people to come to them rather than going to the 10 year treasury. So that actually goes up. They're not. They're not going to go up a lot more because they they don't have to do that to actually get um, assets under management. But as the ten year treasury continues to go up, then the corporate bonds and municipal bonds 
will also have to go up. Um, and that's what the life insurance a majority of their portfolio actually returns are in those two arenas. So historically, to sum this up, the interest that you pay on these um, loans has historically been lower. And I don't see any reason why that would ever change than the dividends that are actually paid out. And then you can also think about if you are earning dividends on your full cash value and you have a portion of that borrowed against, you're also paying interest on a smaller chunk of cash because the policy loan that you have taken is less than your full cash value. Even if you take a maximum policy loan, I mean, you're still in a position where the insurance company wants to reserve a portion of your cash value. You're not going to borrow 100% of your cash value, maybe 99% or 98%. And they won't let you borrow 100%. Right. So They need to hold some of that in reserves, a small portion. So even if you take a maximum loan that you're possibly able to take, you're still paying interest on a smaller chunk of cash than you're earning dividends on the full cash value. Right. So Bruce, I think we probably already answered this. Is there anything else you want to say about this number, this point four here? How is interest rate related to the growth rate on dividends and interest? Is there anything no, the else you want to say about the that? The only thing I just say is uh, the other thing is, you know, as you paid back the loan, the interest goes away. As the dividends are applied every year, they're also guaranteed the cash value of those dividends are guaranteed not to go down in the future. So that's another advantage, you know, uh, for the compounding as we talk about it. And so the final thing we want to talk about today is some companies charge up front and then they'll, they'll credit back a portion of the prorated interest. If you pay it off early, others uh, actually charge it at the, it accrues the entire time, but they charge it at the end. The advantage of this is that, if they don't charge up front, if they, if they just accrue and then charge it at the end, then every payment that you pay back during that year is immediately goes to principal and is immediately available to you again to, to access. Once so you're saying if they back. don't charge up front, if they, they charge at the end of the year, right. so they then you're not. just paying back principal, not interest. Correct. And it's available as long as... Uh, as soon as your check clears, uh, and you can prove the check clears, so you know ten to twenty-one days, uh, which is a which is if it did if they did it the other way, they would charge up front, and it's it's already charged. So now when you're paying back, they actually don't prorate the the interest payment back to you until the end. So some of your payment is going to pay off the interest. Um, it's a small thing, but it's an important thing to consider. If you're being a good banker, mm-hmm. uh, or as Nelson used to say, an honest banker, and make sure you're paying back your loans so that you have more capital to actually do something with into, into the future. Absolutely. And I think um, hopefully we've answered. I'm going to check if we have any comments on this while we're live here. Sometimes we don't get the comments until afterwards and the questions, but um, and I don't see any right now, but what we are really hoping to answer in this whole conversation today is just the idea of, okay, so what exactly is happening with interest? Because you don't get a loan and no interest. And I know that to use cash, I'm going to pay something. So how does this exactly work? And when we really zoom out from the whole picture, the most important thing to realize is that when you're using infinite banking, when you're using a whole life insurance policy, 
that is a dividend paying, high cash value policy with a mutual company, you're in a position where you are earning these interests, the interest and these dividends. And as Bruce just mentioned, whenever the interest is added to your cash value and whenever a dividend is paid, that new dollar amount of cash value becomes your floor. And it's a guaranteed portion of your cash value. Your your cash value will not drop below that dollar amount in the future. And what is happening is you are putting your dollars in a place that you have security and you have confidence, you have certainty that that money is going to be there for you and that it's going to grow with uninterrupted compound interest. And that gives you a huge advantage because you're in a place where you know that you have cash, it's not going to vanish. You can access and use it through these guaranteed policy loans because that's part of the contractual guarantee that the company says, you own this policy, you have a contractual right to borrow and take this cash value in the form of a loan and put it to work somewhere else. And so what you're getting is this tremendous advantage of saying, I have cash, I know I can access and use it, I know it's not going to drop in value, and it's growing much faster than any other place we've ever seen to store cash. So that's the benefit of using infinite banking. Now, you might think that infinite banking is the end-all be-all, especially since we've done a whole a whole episode where we're talking about nothing but infinite banking, but this is really just one step in a bigger journey to building time and money freedom. And what I really want you to hear is that you need an entire strategy. You need to think about your finances from this big picture lens of saying, how do I not only make a good income How do I not only invest well, but how do I make a good income, keep as much of those dollars as possible, and then protect that cash, and then be in a position to use the cash that you've saved, that you've protected to earn more, whether it's earning more income or earning more cash, and put yourself in a better position. But you really need all three. You need to keep as much as you're make of keep as much of what you're making as possible, then protect that money and then use it to make more. And that's how you build out the best optimized financial picture that you can possibly have. Most people are not able to think about all of the moving parts of their financial life and really understand how to coordinate this strategy without some help. And that's why we offer the opportunity to lead you through this process of really understanding your financial picture, where your money is sitting, where it's flowing, and how you can get in the most control. So the way that you can do that is you can book on our advisor calendar. You can go to themoneyadvantage.com slash calendar, or just go straight to themoneyadvantage.com. There'll be a button on the front page and you can click to book an appointment with our advisors. That's the first step really to having a conversation and getting a feel for how can I use infinite banking? How can I keep more of my money? How can I protect my cash? How can I use it to make more? And how can I be in the best possible financial position that I can be in? So Bruce, anything else you want to share before we close out this show today? No, I think um, you said it, you already said it contractually, you're obligated and to, to be able to borrow uh, and use your uh, uh, cash value as collateral. In order to do business in a, in a state, that has to be part of the uh, contract with the life insurance companies because that comes up all the time. Why do they even allow you to do this? The other reason they allow you to do this, and people get hung up on this all the time, they say, well, wait a minute, uh, I could pay 3.95% as for a car loan at the dealership 
why would I borrow money at 5%? And I say, because it all comes down to control. It all comes down to control because you're going to have to pay on the terms that the dealership says, and then uh, you don't have any control. And the last thing, just in closing, because I know this is becoming big in the it's becoming big on the internet right now on YouTube is there are services out there that, that will actually lend you money and use your collateral of your cash value. They'll lend it cheaper than the life insurance company. And people are getting hung up on that. But once again, you're losing control because you have to assign your life insurance cash value to that company. And so you lose control. You have to pay on their schedule. So remember, we say this all the time, and you probably get sick of hearing of it. It's it's about control, absolutely control, control, control. So yes, they can borrow. You can borrow with this outside company at uh, 125 basis points or 1.25 percent uh, cheaper, but you lose control. So just keep that in mind. Control is very important. Yeah, Bruce. I think we could probably even do a whole episode just on that idea, and we probably will. I think the interesting point that we didn't even talk about today until you just kind of mentioned it um, offhandedly is this idea that when you do take a policy loan from a life insurance company, yes, they charge you interest. However, you do not have to pay on a fixed schedule. It's up to you when you make those payments. If you make the payments at all, sure, the interest is going to continue to accrue and be added to the balance of the loan. But if you decide that you're not going to make payments for three months or three years, and then you're going to pay it off all at once, you are allowed to do that within a life insurance policy loan, but you lose that control when you borrow from this additional company or or use a bank to collateralize your life insurance policy instead of using the life insurance company. So great point to bring up, Bruce. Thank you. I can't believe we missed a little bit of that there. So, so uh, good topic for the next time. If you are interested in more questions or you have more questions about infinite banking or about anything in your financial life that you really want to know so that you can get in control, you can keep more of your money, you can protect it, you can make more. We'd love to hear your questions. So go ahead and pop those into the comments section here on YouTube or on Facebook, or you can send us an email at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. And please rate the show and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also please subscribe as you are listening on YouTube or on Facebook. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for being in our audience. And we know that our goal is to really help you to take control of your financial life. So in closing, please remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. 
The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.